0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. Shay, it's Monday. That means Mailbag Monday. We got a lot of questions from the board. We appreciate everybody for sending them in. Uh, if you're not already, become a subscriber for one dollar to the Bengal Tiger Podcast, and you um, get an entire year. I mean, entire year and a hat. So can't really make a better deal. But yeah, we have a lot of questions. Shay, are you ready to dive into them?
1: I am. Let's rock. Got my stats pulled up. Not that I need the stats from this game.
0: Yeah, I don't know if the stats will tell you too much besides this low numbers for LSU, but they got the win. That's all that matters, right? And if y'all didn't already, go check out the, our reaction podcast. I mean, that's <clears throat> doing great. I mean, in 24 hours to get uh, 2K views, we appreciate all the support mm-hmm. over there. So continue to subscribe, send to a friend, like and comment, all that good stuff really helps us out. So, Let's dive right into it. We got 13 questions here. Um, When I posted this, I didn't preface it by saying that I will also be doing a film study on the LSU pass game and comparing it to the Cincinnati pass game. So be on the lookout for that uh, today on Monday as well. But as a result of me not prefacing it, we got a lot of questions about the receivers and a lot of questions about the offense. I grouped all of them together um so go tigers 107 bayou tiger uh B- bayou tiger 22 lsu lawyer 24 um they're probably missing some others in there all of them basically asked what's the problem with the past game and we covered it on the last podcast a little bit but i know you rewatched the game i I rewatched the game um i'm doing a, like i said a little film study so i don't have to get too deep into it but basically who i mean i covered the last podcast but what, what have you seen
1: Okay so we're this is the first question we're rocking on right Yeah Okay let's re- let me let me reread this out loud cuz I'll take it in parts When looking at the film are the receivers having a hard time getting open seems like the line gives Daniels enough time but we're not making any plays down the field of the position group that should be a strength Okay agree It should completely be a strength I don't think that for one there's going to be a myriad of issues here I just went back and rewatched the game <clears throat> the O line was not perfect and that's going to be the case but i think a lot of things when you look at that game o-line let them down in certain spots not as much as the receivers let them down with two things he's right about getting open you can say is this and B, maybe you'll dive into this with cincinnati or getting a feel for this could even just be how wide receivers coach teach things but Auburn, give Auburn credit. Auburn played well on defense, and their defensive backs blanketed LSU. I mean, they played physical. They played press. They Malik Neighbors was begging all night for be you know flags getting held because of the reality was more than any game they've played. They were up in their face challenging them. So the receivers in my mind, you have an elite room watching the game back. I did not think they a did a very good job of getting open consistently and at least getting some separation i'll get to that in a second and i'm sure we probably got some Jaden questions in here giving daniels enough time blah 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 but the drops were ridiculous like uh, there were plays i know one was malik had to turn to catch it and maybe one just a little high but if we're giving them credit for being that good which they are bootay neighbors brian thomas all those guys had drops mason taylor had multiple drops so A lot of what you saw, where why they only threw for 80 yards, well, tack on another 80 right there and just drops, it felt like. The thing with Daniels is, and I think this is how this all intertwines, and I think that's why when Auburn played really well defensively, certainly in the defensive backfield, and Hall being able to get a good pass rush, so Daniels doesn't have all time, all day to throw, is, and Maddie B, correct me if you feel differently. I feel like after re watching the games in person and re watching them, that Daniel's very much there's a reason he hasn't thrown a pick he wants to see his guy get open he's not throwing guys open very often you'll see if if you kind of slow down a lot of these looks Kayshawn Malik Brian they'll come out of their breaks a good example would have been uh an RPO play they at one point in the game they ran uh and it was a keep might have been a little quick play action but I think it was RPO and Brian Thomas goes up and he's supposed to just run a slant and Jaden keeps it, overthrows him. Well, if you slow it down, you can tell Jaden's ready to make the throw or getting ready to make the throw and should have made it just a few split seconds before he did when Brian is still engaged with the receiver and kind of selling his route before he comes in. Well, when Jaden holds it a bit and waits for that to happen, he kind of airs it a little bit. By that time, You know, it's already Brian doesn't have a play on it. So I think it's to wrap this all up in that game. The receivers didn't catch the ball and they did a bad job getting open consistently in an overarching theme, which happened in this game is Jaden wants to see his guy be open. Like he's not throwing it before you've even come out of your break yet. Right. It's like there. He just wants to trust that he's not turning it over and that he sees your eyes and that you open your body to him, whatever it might be. So there's that's on Jaden. Other parts are on the receivers, other parts are on the O line. Emory Jones was up against Hall, ranked what SEC defensive lineman yeah. uh of the year, or what at least of the week. What was it, yeah, he? Yeah, one of the week last week. Week. So a beast. And the interior didn't play great consistently either. So then toss in whatever about Denbrock, which you can dig into all that. I didn't think like I actually rewatching the game. I liked a lot of what they were doing more than I did during the game. It then just became, you made a bad, like it wasn't a game full of bad reads. Like it was, you dropped the ball nonstop. You weren't getting good separation. Daniels wasn't anticipating the throws like he could. And when you lump all that together, Matty B you get, you stall out for a whole half until you get the run game going. And then finally start to catch the football a little bit. They had drops in the second half. So yeah. For me, this game, like, I do not look at Jaden Daniels 8 for 20, 80 yards and say bench him. Like, re-watching the game, I thought they need to do more RPO, which I thought he was solid at. And he makes the good reads there. And I think he's trying to become more patient in the pocket, trying to go through his reads. But it's diff- – I mean, when you're out there and the bullets it's are flying process. and the pass rush is coming, it's, it's difficult. And yeah. I'll wrap up my long-winded thought here, Matty B. I think that <clears throat> people need to understand – when you've got a new offensive coordinator and you've got a new playbook and you've got a lot of new pieces together, it's on like the quarterbacks, the only, not the only person who's having to adjust and, you know, kind of continue to, to learn each game. We've seen that now with the receivers. We've seen it with running backs choosing the wrong hole to cut through. We've seen it with offensive lines. So I think it's a little bit of everything. I do not look at the eight of 20 after watching that game again, closely and rewinding it and say, man, Jane Daniel sucks, and that's their issue. Like, that was not the only thing going wrong for them on offense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I basically um, – I said last podcast that I felt like it was a little bit of – it was on everybody's plate, uh, the mistakes and the, the shortcomings in the past game, and I completely stand by that. Right. I think you're right on pretty much everything you said. I, w- I wanted to see – and I'll get into this in the film study, like I said – They were so pressed up against the receivers. I wanted to see one of those, just a four verticals call at some point. Like, there's a ton of four verticals called in the NFL and the college game. Just to, it's kind of just like a free for all type play where you just let your receivers go make a play, and you don't have to throw the ball deep, and the receivers can break off a route if they see something change. But there's, they just felt like there was no max pro chug it deep to, to Malik or to whoever else on a go. I think there I, was the,
1: what, like one Malik play, they went deep. He was actually covered, but he got the pass interference. It was like yep. right outside the goal line. Um, yeah. And they probably took it from about midfield. So there were a couple shots, but sure, you'd like to see more.
0: Yeah. so that that's my only thing is, and um, yeah, check out the film study later on. But I felt like at Cincinnati, there were a few more shots deep. And I don't know if that comes with trusting Desmond Ritter. I don't know uh, if that's. Desmond Ritter being more optimistic in throwing those shots, but also, and Desmond Ritter
1: is a good quarterback. He's in the NFL. So
0: yeah. So that, and Desmond Ritter is a better quarterback than Jaden Daniels. I think that's safe to say. My thing is Jaden, you mentioned it is so afraid. I think of throwing interceptions that if the reads not there, obviously he'll tuck and run, but more than anything, I feel like he just locks in on that receiver and is scared to go to the second or the third or fourth one at times. But um, overall I'd, like you said, offensive line receivers, Denbrock, everybody, I think, and, had a hand in that type of performance.
1: I, I just want to re- i want to reiterate this because I think it's true if you go back and rewatch the game. Is what you're saying about Jaden correct about, like, not going through all his progressions it, when he has time? Yes. From looking at the game, like, more often than not, way more often than not, there were a handful of times where Jaden should have pulled the trigger, should have thrown, somebody was open. But more often than not, everybody was covered. Like, I just didn't th- – I thought Auburn played well on defense, and I thought LSU did a bad job of creating separation.
0: I agree. I thought – I. I we got to give Auburn a little bit of credit here. I thought defensive- – I, I mean, that's what I'm
1: saying. Defensively, when you rewatch that game, put it on the receivers. If you felt like, well, Auburn's not good enough, they should have got open, they were not getting open. Auburn was all over them.
0: Yeah, and like, like I said last time, defensive – Auburn's defensive line, you could tell it was in Jaden's head a little bit. At early or at least early on, to me, whenever I watched him, a couple of those were rushed. Um, you know, Derek Hall was getting was almost in his face. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think it was on everybody there. All right, enough on that question. We got like twelve more, so we gotta start going here. Uh, Captain, that's Planet, probably we're... the
1: that, that's probably the biggest question. What's for up sure. with the offense with Jaden and the receivers? For sure, so... for
0: sure, we got like five of and, them. So
1: yeah, and look, I'll say this too. I'm curious if Kelly says this or if they just do it more. The RPOs were working. Auburn, basically, and there were times where they were dropping Jordan Hall like in between the two safeties. He's the D-lineman that we talked about. So they were doing kind of different things with him, but it would just be a linebacker spying Jaden or Hall just wreaking havoc wherever. And then they trusted that all their DBs could press, keep their safeties there, and that they would lock down LSU. And they did. I'll say, though, that when I look at I yeah, I'm kind of split, Matty B. I think that Auburn played well. I don't think LSU played well enough at a lot of spots beyond quarterback. And oh man, where was I I was going somewhere with this thought. Uh oh the RPO. When they act like that RPO when they went to it started to take that middle backer who was spying Jaden kind of out of it because he would have to either commit to the run or just trust it and stay with Jaden and that worked for them and they were making nice reads. So I'm curious if they don't do more of that, especially with teams that want to just sit there and spy Jaden.
0: Yeah. It's um even though I want to give Auburn its credit, cause I do think it played well. You still have to pass more for more than 80 yards. That's a Oh, well, no that's doubt. That's unacceptable. All right. Um, Captain planet two, four, six, Asked, uh, were the defensive miscues in the secondary due to miscommunication, new defensive scheme, tactics, or just flat-out blown plays by individual players? Um, I Personally, I think it was a little bit of both, but, I mean, it, the big plays were busts to me. They were pretty uh, much just individual players, mis, I mean, miscommunicating. I mean, those are all on the same – those are all busts to coaches, like miscommunications, um, blown plays, all those stuff, like miscues. They're all busts, and so – I mentioned a play last time, last podcast, where Makai Garner came up on a third and 25 to stop the Robbie Ashford from running and gave a pass over his head. I mean, there were plays like that throughout the game. I think the first one where uh, Sage Ryan got caught, and I believe Jay Ward came up from the safety spot to try to stop Ashford from running. Um, so it's just like I felt like they were a little bit too eager to stop Ashford um when he got outside of the pocket, as far as the secondary goes. So, yeah, just some busts. Uh, that was my view of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, the, the two big plays that they had, scoring plays were, what, 60-something yards and 40-something yards, and what, the, well, I guess the Jarquez Hunter win went for, like, a lot 60-something, and then they scored from there. But um, that was a bust. And then I think just on that first drive, Matty B, that after seven banks got injured, that it just sort of was an odd feel. You got them into a quick third down, and then boom, you have a bust and they score. So, like, I'm more—I'm not worried about those defensive busts because they scored seven points in the first quarter, scored seven points right away to start the second quarter. So basically, everything happened in that first few possessions for Auburn, and from there, nothing. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine I'm buying with the defense. You know how I feel about the defense. I'm over here saying that they should hold up to like t- 10 points and so yeah I have, I have high expectations obviously that'll be tested this week with tennessee but we'll get into that later all right mr virgo asked uh what is the disconnect between jaden and Kayshawn on the field and obviously we talked we just talked about the past game a lot so you know but it's a different question i don't think there is a real disconnect i think i mean you could if you're gonna say what's the what's the disconnect between Jaden and kashan i mean Brian Thomas, Jarae Jenkins didn't have a, a target. Like it's not just Kayshawn that's not eating here; it's everybody who's not eating. So um, I don't think there's a disconnect. I think if you're a an <laughs> offensive coordinator, you can try to get Kayshawn the ball more on screens, on jet sweep stuff, uh, different actions. But at the end of the well, day, then, I think they, they I think they trust everybody in the re- receiver room so much they're just kind of just letting it go. So,
1: well, and um, the. I think, too, yeah, there were drops. If you watch it, Kayshawn was doubled a lot, bracketed, and he said it. He was like, look, that's if they're they're doing that to me, I'm taken out of the place. The other guys get to eat. The reality was the other guys weren't all getting open or they were dropping passes. Kayshawn was dropping passes. I'm totally with you. It's not just Kayshawn. It's all of them that, whether if it's getting on the same page with Daniels, however you want to say it, they've got to get open. Daniels has to anticipate a bit better and they've got to catch the football. So it's sort of uh, all of them there for me uh, in a row. And I'll also say, I, yeah, I don't think uh, you mentioned, like, I like how Denbrock goes to like, when it was clear that Kayshaun after the first, how many series was not getting involved, they went to him. I can't remember. It was the second quarter, right at a half, but they went to him on the jet sweep, gave it to him. Mm -hmm. He's got green grass and they, the running back. I can't remember. It was Noah Kane or Josh Williams in at the time. But went low and yes. blocked on which you literally it's like the only thing you can't do right there, and he does it and it. I mean, eventually, Keshawn just ran right at him, hurtled him, gets the first down. But yep, if you don't do that, you just get the block. That one could have gone for a lot, and that's hey, we. Okay, well, they're doubling Keshawn. Let's give it to him on a sweep. So
0: yes, uh, I mean, some of this is for,
1: you forget about it because they tried it and it got negated by a penalty.
0: So yeah. I mean, there's, there's, again, there's always ways to get him the ball if you want to, but I feel like at this point, they're kind of just like, nobody's getting the ball too much or too little. Like, everybody, I mean, everybody's getting too Mason Taylor. Time. Yeah, Mason Taylor's getting too much. There you go. All right. Uh, Cairo Tiger asked, uh, I heard Brian Kelly mention Ollie Gay had two years of eligibility, and it got me thinking if the season ended today, who would stay and who would go to the draft? He um, goes on to say, Gay is great, but not sure he'd appeal as a high draft pick. And yeah, there you go. Um, it's a I good question. It's,
1: I think this is a whole podcast different question, and I'm not trying to skip off on Chiro Chir- uh, Tiger. Was it Chiro? Cairo. Tiger? I think he said
0: Cairo. Oh, it's Cairo. Like, like chiropractor.
1: Cairo. Okay, Cairo. I said it wrong. That's uh, my fault. And then you confused me. I remember he <laughs> I answered it though on the board, and then I forgot. Um, um I don't want to skip over his question, but I think this one has so many elements because, like. There are so many guys that are draft eligible that if they continue to play well, we'll be in this conversation like Jaquel and Roy. You know, we've got Greg Brooks and them that are older guys. So I don't know. I'm looking around and I would say like Kayshawn and Ojolari would be two that I would say would leave as underclassmen and get drafted high.
0: Kayshawn, I I think if we don't have to keep this long, but Kayshawn. And BJ are obviously first round picks. Um, to me, Jaqueline Roy, I think would get drafted, pro- a day two at some point, so around two or three most likely. I mean, he was he had a very high preseason, you know, hype, uh, very high, uh, preseason grade uh, assessment. So I think Jaqueline Roy gets drafted, even though he hasn't stood out, which we'll talk about him later. Um, so you have those three. Other than that, I thought he played
1: great against Sovereign.
0: Yeah, I agree. So you have those three, and then you look at a bunch of guys that could be day three guys, but I don't know. Like, Jarek Bernard-Converse, Greg Brooks, Jay Ward, uh, Jaden Daniels, John Emery. How old Garner?
1: Think... Is Garner a fifth-year senior he's a grad student?
0: Garner – I don't remember Garner. But, yeah, Garner, um, Fouché. So, I mean, you got a bunch of guys that, like, could – obviously get drafted. Jarae Jenkins, I think could be a day three guy as well. So it's like, you know, you got a bunch of guys there. I don't know how you want to distribute that or disperse. Did we even way. answer
1: the Ali Gay part though? I don't, I don't know what Ali Gay, Ali Gay already graduated and he's a captain this year. Like I could see him saying this is it.
0: I think so too. I think, cause that was, I think that was the plan before he got injured. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, I think we talked to him at one point uh, over the off season that was the plan, but he got injured and decided to come back. I think he goes to the draft and, it's so hard because Oligay's physical traits to me are so impressive. Like he's just so big and strong. Like it's like he should be putting up, you know, elite numbers. Sometimes it just doesn't really add up with him. So I don't know. I don't know if NFL teams would draft him off potential, maybe, but he is pretty kind of getting older at this point. So yeah, I mean, I think Oligay would definitely get drafted. Again, it's just kind of when would that happen round four round? Three, four, five, six. I don't know. So all right. I think that answered the question well enough, kind of. Jay Bramblett. Uh, you...
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> Let's see. Iowa, Iowa City Tiger fan. Uh he's a long time, long time, member here. Uh LSU went from being the least penalized team in the SEC to one of the most penalized teams. That seems the opposite of the accountability that was preached all of the offseason. What gives? What gives in the Auburn game is Half of the penalties were on special teams. So, I think you
0: could say and, I think you could say that about like the entire season. How many of the penalties have been on special teams? Like they know it's they had that they
1: had that block that chop block or whatever that negated the case on handoff. Um, yep. You're gonna have a hold every game. You're gonna have an offsides. You're gonna have a hands to face. Like it doesn't something that happens. I feel like overall, especially if it's like a special teams thing too. Like overall, I just think when you you have a completely new team with more transfers than anyone and a completely new staff and new playbooks and new schemes and all that, that like guys will find themselves out of position or getting something happening to where they end up committing a foul or penalty to, to try to negate it and get away with it. So I, it'll, that's one area like I don't worry about because I would think with how much of a disciplinarian and, how long Kelly's coached 30 plus years with the track record he has, you don't just win that many games and just be one of the most penalized teams in the country. Like they'll clean that up. I just kind of think that's a bit of uh, a first month into the season, just trying to get the car to work type thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, so they have 32 penalties on the year for 278 yards. I mean, at least 12 of well, those have five four of
1: those were on special teams in the first half of auburn so now I, yeah, i'm committed. saying on
0: the season 10 or 12 of those have to be special teams ones right so and which is unacceptable like if you just look at it like special teams you should just be all right get the ball and give it to the offense like you shouldn't be having to do anything crazy but um so yeah i mean i take that into account for cert for sure and then I don't, it doesn't feel like the offensive line has been too hold happy. No, that's that's why I don't
1: think that they've gotten a ton of those.
0: Like how many times are they even starting that like first and 20 after a hold? It doesn't feel like very often where they're being backed up like that. So um, you can give them some credit on that. Uh, Your receivers aren't holding in the run game. Like I don't feel like holding has been a big issue.
1: I think they got hit with an illegal shift last game, which is like very much on where Kayshawn was coming over and Kane was still moving and.
0: I think there uh, there were a few or a legal motion foul. or something like that. I mean, I remember the Harold Perkins personal foul in the in Florida State game. Colin Roy got called for a person or for a for a I don't know unnecessary roughness or taunting, whatever it was. Last game, so there's two right there. I don't know if you go through it. I don't think it's a major issue at this point, uh, except for on special teams. Special teams, it is an issue. Offense and defense, I think it, they're fine.
1: Where are we at? Oh, Gauthier51Z said, how much leash are we realistic giving? realistically giving Emory, John Emory, at this point, with him turning the ball over at a far higher rate than our starting quarterback?
0: Well, everyone turns the ball over at a higher rate than Jaden because Jaden doesn't throw the interceptions or doesn't even throw anything close to interceptions. Uh, but yeah, Emory had another fumble.
1: I remember in fall camp, remember there was even, we
0: were at practice
1: that day, but then there was a video that came out with he fumbled and Dinbrock said, look, man, you got to keep your head in it because we're not going to stop going to you. He was like, we're not going to stop feeding you the ball. So if we're going to let Dinbrock answer that question, I think the leash is, they want the leash to continue to get longer. I think ball security is something that Frank Wilson's going to have to just continue to drive home with John Emery. Um, But he made the best play of the game on the run where he scored. And the wheel route, which I loved, he catches and gets down. You know, he's athletic enough to get downfield very quickly and punch that one down to the inside, you know, the goal line. So I think it's a rotation, right? But I don't think Emory's ever going to out-carry everybody, especially when Goodwin gets back. But I would think you want the leash to get longer because you see what happens. I mean, he was five touches into a game where he had 40 receiving yards and a 20-something yard touchdown run. you know?
0: Yeah, I, I think especially with Goodwin out, we don't know how long Goodwin will be out. But especially with him out, it
1: sounds serious compared to what initially it was like. He's day to day, and then it was he's got a severe hamstring injury. So I mean, that could yeah. be a month.
0: I have no, yeah, I have no, no idea. It could be, yeah, but definitely doesn't feel like he's going to play the Tennessee game at this point. Just off feel, um, but I, yeah, with with him being out, I think the the leash is pretty long at this point. If he does fumble again. You know, Josh Williams will continue to get a lot of the the carries and then maybe we see some Noah Kane. But and obviously you don't want to have fumbles in back to back games, but you know, if he doesn't fumble if he fumbles one more time for the rest of the season, I'd be okay with it because he is obviously the most versatile, the most potent, um, and probably the most talented back they have at this point. Doesn't mean doesn't mean he's the best backer, you know, on every down should be getting the carry or anything like that, but you know, he's He's clearly talented. So oh, let's see.
1: Famous Amos, what are the odds we see a change at OC this offseason if you had to put a percent on it? Zero. Um, I don't understand why you would want to if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm big. I'm getting Den Brock to figure this out. And again, I don't think it's all on play calling or a scheme like I think, I really I think
0: guys weren't getting real, open. Yeah, real quick. I think you want continuity. Yeah, I MC. don't see why you I want think to start the over again. Game. I, I wouldn't want to start over again. Like you said, that that's the biggest thing. And so even though I do, I do have, you know, my questions about Den Brock at this point. Um, and I, I think they get better. I think from a continuity standpoint, I would want him to be back for year two. Now, if it continues going down, downhill, then maybe. So I'll, I'll put it at like 10,
1: 15%. Right now, I'll put it at zero for the sole purpose of, I don't think that's the, the crux of the issue here. And, uh, how are you grading out Will Campbell and Emory Jones so far? Those are your true for freshman offensive tackles. Good for me, uh, good as can be. Emory Jones had a hell of a task against Hall. Campbell had a hell of a task against Verse in week one. They both had a big task in their first ever starts together against a really good state defensive line in yeah. front seven. Like that J- Jaden Daniels is alive. That means they've done something, right? So
0: Yeah. I I would I would grade pretty high um yeah same at, uh, at this point will Campbell. i mean based on my expectations and based on obviously will campbell's highly highly rated guy you know we ex- expected him to be good i mean he i think he's been every bit as good as we can ask at this point so i'd say like an a minus something like that and then emory jones b plus i mean only t- th- three games for emory jones but like B B plus yeah something like that um, pretty good
1: al smith said uh first time asking a question hey guys what's up al smith uh, all right, Maddie, B. You take this one. Defense played phenomenal Sunday for the most part. Saturday, uh, I'm reminded of Brian Kelly's comments after Florida State. He said they coached the players in a way that made him overthink it. I felt some of that happened on defense with pursuing AU's quarterback when he moved out of the pocket. So, and that created chaos in the secondary. So, does Hooker, who's Tennessee's quarterback, uh, pose from Tennessee pose the same running threat as Ashford? And if he doesn't, does that help our secondary with broken plays?
0: All right, thanks for the question. Um, Hooker is not as fast or as eager to run as Ashford because yes, Ashford's got a
1: million times better arm than Ashford. Yeah. Yeah, Ashford didn't really that. have
0: an option. And LSU's plan was obviously, you know, to try to contain Ashford at the line of scrimmage, which is why they were so um eager to to try to contain him. So I, I don't think it's it's definitely not the same offense by any stretch of you know, but any way, shape, or form, Tennessee's offense is going to be incredibly versatile. It's going to be potent. Hooker's arm is really, really talented. I was impressed with him last year, and they, they're they continuing to um, stack up uh, really good games on offense. So I, I don't think this will be the same at all, because I think Hooker's arm is going to keep the secondary honest at all times. Like, even if Hooker, Hinden Hooker rolls out of the pocket, you can't lose your your man because he will make you pay. Ashford – I mean, Ashford made them pay. Imagine what Hooker is going to do. So, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, obviously, Wednesday is when I usually do my um, opponent film breakdown, and so we'll get into that uh, then. But, yeah, it's a completely different animal. Completely, This this Tennessee offense is very, very good, obviously, for anybody who's watched college football. Very yeah,
1: No doubt. Uh, Rose Shooter 19 said – I'm under the impression Brian Pullian's recruiting his tail off, butt off. You know what he says. Uh, Would you trade a top five finish in recruiting this year for some special teams mistakes the rest of the season until Pullion gets entrenched in the local scene? The simple, the the core of this question to me, uh, these two things aren't married together at all. I think that LSU can finish in the top five or six and I'm not, like, I think that's a complete staff effort. I would never say that was one person in Polian or anyone, like one single guy out there holding together a class. That's not the case at all. That's never the case with any team. Uh, and entrenched in the local scene, I don't think that really matters. I think they have enough Louisiana people here at the local scene for those coaches to handle it. Um, yeah, it, I. the special teams' mistakes just need to be cleaned up regardless of if he was – an amazing recruiter or not. And I would say yeah. that Pollian would probably say the same thing. Here's the other thing about special teams, like they've already said too, like, there's been like some rhetoric out there of like, oh, well, this is just what happens when you don't have enough scholarship guys. Like, watch the coverage units on kickoffs and punts. Every starter was out there at Auburn.
0: I was about was to say Harold,
1: it was Harold Perkins, Fuchsia, uh, Greg Brooks, um, Jenkins, Ryan, I think. Malik Neighbors, uh, Sage Ryan, like these are your starters at all positions. I so, think
0: Sage was called for a penalty on on one of those um, punt, punt returns. So
1: Yeah. A so I, all those guys are out there. There should be no excuse. Uh, Berman mm-hmm. and Cheerios, uh, how long before Harold Perkins is starting, given how much run he gets in the second half and how much better our defense looks with him? Can you really keep this kid off the field to start mm-hmm. the game? Maddie B, you've weighed in a lot there. Thoughts? Yeah, I've,
0: I've said this. But, and, and then – Brian Kelly said this also uh, in, in his uh, press conference, I think on Thursday, it's like they're obviously keeping him in situations where he doesn't have to think where it's, it's straightforward attack the quarterback or spy the quarterback. In this last game's case, there has been nothing where he is having to um, comprehend at a high level, like Mike Jones, as much as we want to get on Mike Jones and say, like maybe he hasn't been great this year. The jobs that Mike Jones and Harold Perkins have are, vastly different just vastly different they're not even playing the same position basically i mean literally sometimes harold perkins lines up as jack as at the jack position as we know but like when harold perkins i look at him as basically like a roving attacking linebacker so that that's how i look at him i don't look at him as like a true inside linebacker where greg pin and mike jones are playing or even michael baskerville is playing it's a different position it's not even i don't know so I love how they're using him right now. I think continue using him in that, in that way. He's still playing like, what? I don't, I don't have to snap, um the numbers in front of me, but he's probably playing like what? 50% of the snaps as a true freshman. Like it feels like he's on the field a ton. So um, I think they're doing exactly what you need to do with Harold Perkins. Let him get on the field and either attack spy, keep it simple and go make a play.
1: Um, I agree. Uh, Mike Stacolassa, uh says, is this an observation? Uh, but he got it in as a question. Um, it feels like expectations on offense are politely unreasonable or called unreasonable when people complain yet on defense, we're elite. Why can one, why can one third become elite with piecemeal transfers? No Mason Smith and starting a freshman and Perkins. But meanwhile, we say the offense sucks and we get told, well, it's a six and 16. You're full of transfers. Watch it game to game. Isn't competent offense much easier for the most part college. in college. This is the NFL. I've always been under the impression that defense is usually what is ahead out of the gates when you've got wholesale changes than offense. Like if you ever remember in like spring ball or fall camps, like they'll always be like the defense won the first few weeks and the offense can never move the ball. So like, I think offense takes a bit longer to get everybody on the same page than defense. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing it take a minute to get everyone on the same page and everyone's got their deficiencies in certain areas, but once they kind of can, Start to individually turn the corner here. I think the product looks better. So yeah, I don't I think don't think it's unreasonable. That. Say the offense isn't good, but I don't think it's. I don't. I don't I, think it's unexplainable. Like it can, personally, can see I, it.
0: I feel like, and I've mentioned this before. I felt like this is why I was so high on House coming in. It felt like the personnel of this defense fit what House wanted to do immediately. Jack position, B.J. um a secondary that didn't have to do a ton, but was veteran and knew how to, you know execute at an SEC level I feel like Matt House had what he needed more so I than Denbrock and you could argue obviously you can argue that's a flaw within Denbrock that he needed a tight end or he you know needed this and uh, that need two tight ends
1: or one yeah. you know
0: <laughs> yeah ne- needed some elite tight end play probably um but and that that is a flaw but at the end of the day I think that's just kind of where it is and I agree with you I think the defense is usually ahead of the offense going into seasons
1: um, last question. Tigers in Cleveland 15. Does Jaqueline Roy need to start having more of an impact on games? It won't hurt, but I did think statistics-wise, he led them in tackles and solo tackles against this Auburn. game.
0: So
1: he, yeah. If he was playing, if he plays like that every game, that's the Jaqueline Roy you want. You don't want him yeah. to disappear and just sort of be eaten up a block and you don't really ever hear from him.
0: Yeah, this is, this was, I want to say this was the first game he really put up big stats because to this point in the year, he has half a sack, 1.5 tackles for loss, 16 tackles. So yeah, he had six tackles this last game. So this was clearly his best statistical game, even though we know defensive tackles aren't graded on their stats for the most part, Like right? It's about how you eat up blocks. It's about if you can stop a guard from getting to the second level, you know, all those little things that coaches will watch and. You have to really be watching offensive line for. Um, I, I agree. I, th- I think he's been actually pretty good throughout this season. So he's obviously just not putting up the stats. Last year he didn't put up the stats either, but everybody thought he played well. So I don't really know what the difference is. I think last year everybody saw the p- uh, Pro Football Focus graded him like the number five defensive tackle in like the pass rush or something like that, and everyone was like, "Okay, he's good." I haven't seen any PFF stats from this year, so I don't know if people are waiting on that or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's – I mean, Berber it? Interiors asked basically what was your strategy for 11 a.m. kickoffs. Um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you when, when you were uh, here like 15 years ago, did you have a strategy for 11 a.m. kickoffs? Were you hitting the bar scene at 5, 6 a.m.? No,
1: no, you don't want to do that. You want to just start at the house, and then you want to make your way to campus, and then you want to just get an hour – to make it worth your drive out there early two hours hour and a half of mm-hmm. hanging out at a tailgate uh, and then you want to get into this game about 30 so you want to get into this game about 10 30 right because uh, then you get to see a little bit of warm-ups and then you're kind of right into it at 11 uh, yeah say get out there for about 8 30 means wake up i'm gonna need a 6 a.m wake up for everyone out there
0: mm-hmm.
1: get your shower Pack everything the night before. You don't want to be scramble mode on Saturday morning. So everything's already packed. You've got your outfit laid out, your game day fit. Six to six o'clock. Wake up. Out of the house by. I want. I need you out of the house by seven thirty. Whatever happens between six and seven thirty will work. You're into campus and onto your spot by eight thirty. You got a couple hours to hang. You've made your way to the stadium. You're in. You've got about. 10, 15 minutes to kind of take in things before the game.
0: There you go. Solid plan. Fit in as many um, as many shots as you can. Get the get 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 the blood flowing, and then you go from there.
1: <laughs> well, and this is really for people who are out there worried about how to handle this. You got to think long term. You're going to walk out of that game at two one thirty, two o'clock, two thirty, two o'clock, 2.30, two thirty, two thirty. You're going to walk out of that game. You've got Pace a whole day ahead of you pace yourself you got a whole day ahead of you so it's the inverse of a (laughs) nighttime pick treat it that way
0: there you go there you go all right appreciate all the questions um as always we will do this every single monday so so you know become a subscriber i usually post the the topic on sunday night after i like forget to post it on sunday afternoon so sunday night it's it's up for everybody to send your, send their questions in. Um, and yeah, tomorrow we will have the recruiting podcast as always. And, uh, kind of go from there. If y'all don't know the schedule already, you know, post game mailbag recruiting, uh, preview podcast on Fridays and, um, then it's game time. So four pods, four pods a week. And yeah, uh, that's all we have for y'all today. Follow us, um, on the socials that are right there. I can never point correctly, uh, right there and become subscribed for $1 for an entire month. And you get a free hat as well. Purple doesn't um, match the red, but that's all right. We got the hats. All right. Thank you all for joining us, and we will talk to you all later.